Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary, a podcast designed for women in ministry. I'm Bridget Tomlin, founder of Sanctuary, a ministry for ministry wives. Our desire is to break free from isolation and foster authentic connection. Let's redefine Sanctuary. Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary. I'm your host, Bridget Tomlin, and I hope you are finding some time to savor this summer. Amidst all the ministry and family responsibilities you may have, you know, when they talk about the lazy days of summer, they certainly aren't familiar with life in the ministry and the local church. So many exciting but schedule-heavy elements are involved, and so I hope You've scheduled some time in for Sabbath, for a family vacation, perhaps even a staycation if you're not wanting to pump your dollars into your vehicle's gas tank. Today's episode is going to be a little different than our usual fare. Since Sanctuary's beginning back in 2015, I've been very intentional about not allowing this platform to become my platform or a platform for anyone, quite frankly. Sanctuary is designed to provide support connection and refuge for ministry wives and for women in ministry. And this podcast has been built around that premise as well. And we just want to provide resources for women in ministry and in leadership and not promote an agenda of any kind. It's been really more of a collaborative effort with people that bring their expertise and their experiences to this table. So that being said, Today, I'm going to be stepping out a bit of my comfort zone to bring a message that I believe God placed upon my heart for this community. And I've been delaying this as I have been so guarded against anything that would promote me in any way. But as we were approaching the scheduled date for this episode's recording, I received notice that our featured guest had a massive overload on her schedule, and she unfortunately had to reschedule. I do hope that we'll have her later in this year. And despite my best efforts to reschedule someone with a few days' notice, it seemed every door was closing. I tried bumping up other guests we had scheduled for upcoming episodes. Even as I was typing this message in surrender preparation, I checked all my inboxes several times, confirming that no one was coming through. And finally, I gave up. I realized... God was not letting me off the hook. So this was the open door, apparently, to deliver this message to our community of ministry families and leaders. And so that's what today's episode is going to look like. I told my engineer, this may never happen again, uh, but I have to obey this simple request from the Holy Spirit. So buckle up, friends. For whatever reason, the Lord rarely gives me the opportunity to deliver soft, uh, sweet little nuggets of truth, but typically assigns me the less fun messages to deliver. But girls, it's these moments of challenge that are going to get us across that finish line. So let's do this. If you're where you can, let me ask you to grab your Bible or click on your Bible app and open up to 1 Kings 8. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation today, so it's all good if you're multitasking like I do when you're listening to podcasts and you can't read along. Currently, I am reading through the Bible again this year with my 17-year-old daughter, and our assigned reading this past weekend took us through the book of 1 Kings as the transfer of the kingdom was happening between David and his son Solomon. I love that scripture includes all the good, the bad, and the ugly that comes with each of these historical characters as their mountain highs and valley lows give me hope for my own life. David, whom scripture later reveals was a man after God's own heart, had plenty of highs and lows in his life. 
from days in the fields as a shepherd through running for his own life, being chased by King Saul, to the days of his rule as a king over God's own people. The primary factor, I believe, that earned David, despite all his pitfalls, the title of a man after God's own heart, was simply that he loved God, he was human and made mistakes, but always found his way back to repentance before God. And most likely you're familiar with this story. And let me just preface this message by letting you know, there's nothing revelatory for a majority of our listeners today, because many of you are preachers yourselves, you're teachers of the word. Many of you are sitting under your husband's teaching or preaching on a routine basis. Many of you have education that far surpasses where I come to you. What I am coming to you with today is something that God has been burning in my spirit for the last seven days. And that's really all I can bring to you is something that I believe is fresh delivery from the Lord to you. And I hope that it will be impactful to you. It never ceases to fascinate me each time I read it. And I always find something fresh and challenging to me personally. You know, as I was working my way through First Kings recently, a few things stood out to me. And I want to share those with you today. You know, the first several chapters of First Kings contain the final days of David and how God's plan was nearly hijacked by another of David's sons, Adonijah. Uh, the prophet Nathan concocted a plan of partnership with Bathsheba, who's the mother of Solomon, to bring this mess up before King David. And the, further, the story further unfolds as Solomon assumes the throne after a public anointing by the priest and prophet. David gives his final instructions to Solomon, not the least of which includes the reminder to observe the requirements of the Lord and of Mosaic law. In verse 4 of 1 Kings 2, David literally says to Solomon, If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. David had already given Solomon the instructions he had received from God on how to go about erecting the temple. But these final instructions were of primary importance, of greater importance than how to go about building a dynasty. In chapter 3 of 1 Kings, Solomon made his first alliance with a foreign nation and married one of Pharaoh's daughters. He moved her into the city of David because his first goal as king was to finish building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around the city. And while he was already kind of stepping beyond the requirements of the Lord that warned against intermarrying with women from other nations, God did not cut him off right away. And I started asking myself, why is that? And really, verse 3 of 1 Kings 3 says this. It says, Solomon loved the Lord. And followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. Solomon was off to a great start overall. He followed his father's example and went beyond to offer sacrifices. So God's obviously pleased because he asked Solomon, what do you want and I will give it to you. So you know how this shook out. Solomon asked for wisdom, and he got that and so much more. Scripture lets us know that the divine wisdom was dispensed from heaven, giving Solomon an unprecedented ability to rule God's people, build the city and nation, increase wealth, make alliances, and construct a temple that would house God's presence. 
something that had never been done before. And I marvel at the sheer genius of engineering it took to pull off construction of this magnitude. Explicit detail was given to every step, ensuring that nothing would be overlooked. No step was out of order. The priests were finally ordered to carry the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, and God's presence filled the temple. God signed off on it. He was the inspector, so to speak, that gave his stamp of approval on Solomon's life and leadership. I've got just a few more thoughts to share with you from this message, but I must interrupt briefly to highlight one of our episode sponsors by encouraging you to consider a relatively young conference known as the Acts 64 Conference for your 2023 calendar. Yep, we've got to start thinking about next year already. This annual conference is currently hosted each January in Texarkana, Texas, and is a grassroots gathering of Pentecostal preachers and laity who champion the timeless truths and spiritual experiences that define us as an end-time global movement. You can expect this three-day event to refresh you and your leadership team, granting you dynamic Pentecostal experiences, stellar worship music, seasons of intercessory prayer, and opportunities to connect with attendees from across the U.S. The best news? This conference has no registration cost. More details on this year's speakers and sessions will be released this fall. But you'll want to stop by their site today to mark the dates for the 2023 conference for your calendar, theacts64.com. Solomon took time at that very moment when God's presence filled the temple to praise and acknowledge the Lord and then dedicate everything that had been constructed to the Lord. Solomon had the kind of relationship with God that he could make requests of him and fully expected to see them come to fruition. He prayed in 1 Kings 8 verse 58, he said, May God give us the desire to do his will in everything and to obey all the commands, decrees, and regulations that he gave our ancestors. Solomon was humbled before the Lord, wanting to obey God's commands, but knowing he would need God's help to stay on track. This was a beautiful and powerful ceremony, and God seemed pleased with all that Solomon had done and how he had honored God's plans. But as God was acknowledging Solomon's efforts, he took time at that moment, another transition, to remind Solomon of the agreement he had made with David and its conditions. Essentially, God was saying, my love is unconditional, but my promises are undoubtedly conditional. Everything was in Solomon's grasp, and then he got comfortable. By chapter 10 of 1 Kings, we see the Queen of Sheba, who was quite a spectacle herself, coming and doting on the grandeur she admired in Solomon's kingdom. Scripture doesn't say that God was disappointed in Solomon's wealth. In fact, I feel confident that his wealth was a result of God's divine wisdom and blessing on all Solomon had sought to do to honor the Lord thus far. But by the time we reach chapter 11, verse 1 says this, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. I'm going to stop right here and camp out a second because there are a few moments left out in scripture here that leave room for conjecture. And I kept thinking, where's the rest of the story? Because we just went from 
his total triumph. He has been faithful for multiple decades so far. Now as king, he has seen what God has done. He's been faithful. He was diligent to, I mean, cross off every T, to dot every I, to give God the glory. And then we come to this verse and it says he starts loving many foreign women. There are moments of his private life that seem to be missing in writing. The moments where he gave himself permission to entertain the thought of disobedience to God's commands. Isn't it ironic that God's divine wisdom was so bountiful to guide him through all the ins and outs of building the magnitude of the palace and God's temple only to lose his head when it came to his fleshly desires to be with women beyond his own kingdom. Was the kingdom so deprived of eligible maidens that Solomon just couldn't find one woman to suit him? My heart was already racing a bit as I read and reread the text there in the few verses of the first few verses of chapter 11 as we're reminded how the Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry foreigners because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Verse 2 says, dot, 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 but Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. 700 wives, 300 concubines. Verse 3 says, and in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. As if this devastating statement wasn't sufficient, the blow really came as I read verse 4. It says, in Solomon's old age. They turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God, as his father, David, had been. And after the writer delineates the myriad of foreign gods that Solomon turned to, instead of the God who had so graciously guided, blessed, empowered, and equipped him to rule the greatest kingdom of all time, we see in verse 9 of chapter 11 that the Lord was very angry with Solomon. For his heart had turned away from the Lord, who had appeared to him twice. Solomon had been warned, but he walked right on past it, giving himself unwarranted permission to do what seemed best to him. As I read those words in Solomon's old age, I, I couldn't help but feel disappointed. Disappointed that Solomon couldn't finish strong. Disappointed that he had everything he needed to succeed, but he just couldn't stay on track. And then I thought to myself, if he couldn't do it, how can I? The truth is that finishing strong is a series of simple daily decisions. And if I'm being transparent with you today, I want to say that these past few years have especially been very revealing as to what has been lurking beneath the surface of each heart of every individual on this planet. It has been so disheartening to see people who I once revered as giants of the faith People I admired or aspired to emulate give themselves permission to make decisions or participate in activities that 10, 20, 30 years ago would have been unthinkable to them. And before you start thinking, Bridget, man, you sure are being judgmental. Let me just remind you, many aren't trying to conceal their decisions. They're displaying them with prideful promotion. 
you know, James wrote in the book of James 1, and listen, if you want to be punched in the gut a little bit, James will do it for you. Chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, I mean, he pulled no punches. He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. You don't even have to be going to wickedness to experience its overflow. You got to be near it, though. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This one will be blessed in what he does. Again, James pulls no punches when he wrote to the 12 tribes so long ago. He wasn't writing to newbies in the faith. He was writing to those who were well-versed in church life. He was writing to believers like himself who had been steeped in religious activity most of their lives. He was writing to you. He was writing to me. He was writing to the church of 2022. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. My question for you today is simply this. Have you outgrown receiving with meekness the implanted word? Are you still requiring yourself to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only? You know, all too often, it's the saints who have become accustomed to the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ that give themselves permission to skip out when the message is coming to a close. This looks like the worship team that steps off the platform and catches up over coffee instead of rushing to the sanctuary to take in the preached word from their pastor. Picture the pastor's wife who no longer must remain throughout the altar call but dashes out to, quote, fellowship in the hall or the foyer. This embodies a group of believers who don't read the word on a daily basis because it's life to their spirits. The minister who comes late for worship service or checks email and social media while in a service he's not conducting. Stale saints aren't desperate to engage in ministry any longer. They've in many ways outgrown the implanted word of God. To prevent staleness in this relationship with Christ, we must be actively pursuing what else he has to say to us through the word. And that involves stirring up the gift in everything we do. You know, listening to the preached word like it's the very first time instead of checking out mentally when it comes and it seems the title doesn't pertain to what we think we could use. Reading the scripture, the social media, you know, that you see on social newsfeed, instead of just scanning right past it, thinking, I've seen that before. Examining the scriptures for ourselves, not just trusting the latest blogger's cotton candy version of it and calling it done for the day. Reading the scriptures for ourselves instead of for the message that we have to preach or teach the next week. Friends, we can't afford to become complacent, giving ourselves permission to watch things we wouldn't have watched before 2020 or have a steady diet of social media feeds that rob us of contentment we had with the blessings of God just moments before. We can't allow the shadow of success 
as determined by the world's standards, even in ministry, to weaken our adherence to the convictions of the Holy Spirit for every area of our lives. You know, just because you've seen others in leadership take on a particular lifestyle doesn't grant you the Holy Spirit's permission for that in your own life. Solomon gives us proof. You can have all the wisdom God can provide and still wreck it all with a series of seemingly small decisions. If there was anything Solomon had seen his father David model, it was that the greatest of men may stumble and fall. Solomon was the result of one of those daily small decisions. His very life was the result of that. But repentance before God was key before idolatrous worship was inevitable. What has become an idol in your life? What permission slips are you signing off on without checking in with the Holy Spirit? What's something that you've allowed to become a habit that was completely off limits to you just a few years ago? Girls, I want us to finish strong. While prophecy declares that there will be a great falling away before Jesus comes, you and I don't have to be counted in that party. We must go the distance, and we're so close to that finish line. So can I challenge you today, as I've been challenging myself, especially these past several days, take some time today and just turn everything off, slip away, find some quiet space, and follow the example of Solomon's daddy, David, in Psalm 139, where he prayed, search me, oh God, know my heart, test me. Know my anxious thoughts. And here's the clincher. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let's pray. Lord, I speak these words with fear and trembling because I know that you've already spoken them to me. And this is something that I'm going to need to adapt to, that I'm going to need to follow through on every single day of my life because that overflow of wickedness is seeping its way further and further and closer and closer to the doorstep of my home, to the doorstep of the, of my heart. And so Lord, I'm pushing that away and redeeming the time and determining that I'm not going to just be a hearer of your word. Lord, don't let us as spiritual leaders to become immune to your spirit's voice. Show us today, Lord, even as we hear this, I pray, God, that every listener is seeming to capture something in their minds. Maybe there's something that you're bringing to their minds, something that's coming up, and it's like just a random thought of something, a choice that has been made even subconsciously, sometimes we become so steeped in the busyness of our lives that we just take things on that you never designed for us to take on, that we take things in that you never designed for us to take things in. But let us be gracious recipients of your word, of your truth every single day so that every single choice that we make bounces off of the truth, the seed of your word that has been sown in our hearts. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that Philippians 2 says that you give us the desire to please you 
and the power to do it. And so, Lord, we just reestablished today, we have a desire to serve you. We have a desire to do what pleases you. But as Solomon prayed, give us power to do it. I thank you, Lord, for every single listener right now that is absorbing the truth of this and the weight of it. Lord, may they not just dismiss it, but may it echo in the chambers of their heart for the next days and weeks. And may they not be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, stirring up that gift so that we can finish this race strong and with victory. I thank you for these mighty women and men of God that are listening to this today. And I pray an anointing, a fresh blessing, a fresh repentant heart that will take over in their lives and lead them all the way home. In Jesus name, we thank you for it. Amen. Friends, I hope you took the time to take in my most recent conversation in episode 19 of season two on ministry to women. In addition to that incredible content with guest Kelly Ferguson, I want to give you the great news that throughout the month of June, we will be featuring a microblog series at SanctuaryMinistryWives.com that will unpack this topic even further. Every single Wednesday of this month, you'll find another fresh approach to this topic from four different guest bloggers. You may be wondering, what does microblog mean? It means that we aren't going to take up a bunch of your time as each of these entries will take you about five minutes or less to read, but will be loaded with amazing insight from each of our guests, something of value for you as a leader and for other women's ministries leaders you may be connected to. So stop by Sanctuary. You'll find the blog link in today's show notes. And let's talk more about leading women's ministries in 2022. 